The text for this morning's worship service is taken from Psalm 19, to verses 9 and 10. We will read these verses once again. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. In response to the preaching, we will sing from Psalm 143, the stanzas 5, the stanzas 5, 6, and 7. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, some time ago I bought a GPS, although I know my way around Edmonton fairly well. It keeps me from getting lost and from making circuitous routes. And so a GPS is quite useful. It usually finds the quickest route and gets you to your destination at the right time. When you somehow make a wrong turn, then it recalculates and gets you right back on track. The GPS also gives you all kinds of other information, such as the length of the trip, how long the trip will take you, and what your average speed was during your trip, and things like that. The GPS is most useful in a strange place, whereas before I dreaded having to find my way in a strange city, now with the GPS the anxiety is gone. I know that as long as I've typed in the address correctly, that then it will get me road by road at my desired destination. But I must admit that it also has its limitations. It doesn't always know about new roads that have opened up, nor about construction that has you take a different route. For even though you're forced to take a different route, it keeps on trying to get you back on that blocked route. God's word is something like a GPS system as well. For we too are on a journey. We are on a journey of life. You, young people, here in front of the church, still have quite a journey in front of you. And God's word lays out the way that you should go in life. The wonderful thing is that God's word is perfect. If you follow God's directions as laid out in his word, then you won't go astray or get lost. God's word also gives you lots of useful information. Like a GPS when you take a wrong turn someplace, or when the normal way is blocked by construction, it will recalculate your route as well. For we have the tendency to go way off course. But as soon as you consult God's word again, you will be sent right back in the right direction. God knows every path you could possibly take and every detour, and he knows exactly where all the obstacles are. But God's word is much better than a GPS, for it can do a lot more for you. It tells you what to take along on your journey and what not to take along. It nourishes you along the way as well, and it refreshes you when you get tired of the journey. 
It comforts you and helps you to persevere. It tells you what equipment you need on your journey of life. And it gives you all kinds of other instructions. God's word can even cleanse you. For on your journey through life, you get dirty all the time. Happens every day. But through God's word, you can be made clean again. And so God's word is invaluable for this life. Without it, you get lost. Without it, you remain dirty. Without it, you get bogged down. Without it, you're going to end up in the wrong destination where you will find death and destruction. That's what the text of this morning is all about. The psalmist asks a question. He wants to know how a young person can preserve his way and how he or she can keep himself clean. And he himself, inspired by the Holy Spirit, provides the answer in this text. The theme is as follows. How can a young person keep clean on a journey of life and stay on the right path? We will see that he can do that in the first place with good instructions, in the second place with the right equipment, and in the third place with a dedicated heart. As I said, life is a journey. It's a dangerous journey. There are all kinds of pitfalls you have to watch out for. That's because of sin. We have the weakness of our flesh to contend with, and Satan and the world. We get so easily sidetracked and forget where we are going. At times we get tired of going along the same straight path all the time. That's not always interesting enough for us. We would rather explore hidden territory. And Satan has also set all kinds of traps for you. That is because Satan does not want you to get to your final destination. He does not want you to end up in the arms of Jesus. He wants to claim you. In this psalm, the author repeatedly uses the imagery of a journey. He uses the word way and path throughout. As a matter of fact, that's how he began this psalm. In the days of the psalmist, traveling from one place to another was much more challenging than today. There were no freeways or paved roads not even smooth gravel roads. There were no signs either alerting you to danger or giving you directions, nor were there policemen or soldiers to keep robbers at bay. They did have a few main thoroughfares on which people traveled and which afforded relative safety, but for the rest, the roads were difficult and full of danger. We have little understanding of what travel was like in those days. Our forefathers would have a better understanding. As little as a hundred years ago, travel was also much more difficult. There were a few paved roads then as well. For example, it would take immigrants in the 1910s and 1920s who arrived here by train in Edmonton and who with their meager possessions wanted to get to their destination in Barhead or Nearlandia, it would take them several days of grueling travel, a trip that today would take a little over an hour by car. They had to pull a wagon with horse and buggy and make their way through marsh and small streams. It was very hard going. Just read some of the accounts 
of those people of those days. Sometimes they even had to leave some of their possessions behind with some property owners along the way, hoping to pick it up later once they had settled. In Israel, when you had to travel between places that were off the beaten track, you took a path along dangerous mountain paths and along deep ravines and over all kinds of obstacles. And you really had to watch out or you could easily hurt yourself. If the path was not familiar to you, then it would be prudent to get instructions from someone who is familiar with the territory and who knows where all the dangers and the obstacles are. Well, that's also what we must do in life. We have to seek instruction. We have to seek that instruction from God's word and from people who know God's word and who have learned how to apply it in their own lives. For the Lord God also uses others to help us understand and live and walk in accordance with that word. That is what our parents do, our teachers and the elders and the minister. God uses them all as instruments in his hands to instruct you. To follow those instructions is not always an easy thing to do. It means admitting that you are dependent on God and on others. We don't necessarily like to admit that. We want to show that we can find our own way in life. We want to show our independence. We want to be our own guide rather than have someone else be our guide. And that's especially the case when we are young. Young people are strong and full of vigor. As it says in Proverbs 20 verse 29, the glory of young men is their strength. The Apostle John says the same thing in his first letter. He says in chapter 1 verse 14, I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. But young men, and of course that includes young women, can also fail. And they do. That's why the Lord God says in Psalm 78 verse 31 that he put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. It is possible for young people to go astray. Now, to prevent that from happening, you have been given much instruction. These young people in front of us here who are about to publicly profess their faith have had instruction from their childhood. As soon as they were able to talk, they were taught to pray for their food. And they were told that the Lord God is the one who made them and that he loves them. They have gone to a Christian school a good chunk of their lives and regularly attended church. And they have had six years of catechism instruction. There has been no end to the instruction that they have received. It was all designed to keep them on the right path. For on the road of life there are many hazards. The psalmist asks, how can a youth keep his way pure? It's a dirty world we live in. It's becoming dirtier all the time. Premarital and extramarital sex is not only tolerated, it is promoted as something normal and healthy. And so is homosexual activity. There's also a lack of respect for authority and a selfish attitude in today's society. More and more, the society wants to forget about the almighty creator. We live in a very narcissistic society. 
It promotes decadent lifestyles through the various modern means of communication available to us and especially available to you, young people, through movies, the internet, radio and TV programs, and other electronic gadgets that I may not even know about. The young people, they do. And so what instructions do you receive from the word of God about such things? Well, the Lord God gives us the ten words of the covenant. That is what Psalm 119 is all about. It is a song of praise about the law of God. Psalm 119 has been marvelously constructed. This psalm contains 22 carefully constructed sections, each corresponding to a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and each verse beginning with the letter of that section. And each of those sections has eight verses. The section that we have under consideration is constructed according to the letter, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Beth. All eight sections of that section, all eight verses of that section, start with that same letter, with that letter Beth. It is noteworthy that almost every verse of the 176 verses of that whole psalm mentions God's word or God's law in one way or another. Now, when you think of God's law, what do you think of? Do you think then about restrictions, about controlling your behavior? We don't like to be controlled, do we? Or to be restricted. And yet, the author of this psalm has nothing but praise about the law of God, his statutes, his decrees. He obviously does not think about the law in that same negative way. He does not feel constrained by the law at all. No, as a matter of fact, elsewhere he says that this is the law of liberty. It gives you freedom. Now, why do you think he speaks so positively about the law? What did the law represent to him? Well, the law represents to the author an expression of God's love. He says in verse 68 about the Lord God, you are good, and what you do is good. And in verse 76 he says, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. And in verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. And so verse after verse, the psalmist sings the praises of the law of God. Do you know why? It is because God's word is, first of all, God's promise. And that's what it is to you and to me as well. When these young people were baptized, the Lord God first came to them with his promises. God promised that he would help them as they made their journey through life. He would help them in every trial and every temptation. He would comfort them with his Holy Spirit. He would encourage them. And along the way, he would continually remind them of his great love for them. He would do that through the preaching and through the sacraments and through the reading of God's word itself. God's word is promised from cover to cover. And that's what the law represents. God promises to keep you safe. And so it's a delight. But you also have to put that law into practice. You must use it as a weapon 
as a tool. Like an instrument such as a GPS. We come to the second point. The GPS does not do you any good if you don't plug it in and turn it on. Or if you don't tell it what destination you want to go to. The same thing is true of God's word. You have to use it. You have to be plugged into it. In his word, God tells you how you should walk and where and when. And it tells you about your destination. God's word is the only thing that can give true purpose in your life. And so he gives this to you not because he wants to restrict you. Not because he wants to control you. Not because he wants to make your life miserable. No, he wants to treat you like a living and loving human being. He does not want you to be like a pre-programmed robot. He always allows you to make choices. But he gives you the law in order to keep you safe. Because he does not want you to go off the straight and narrow path where danger lurks. Throughout your life, you have to make choices. The right kind of choices. And the Lord God wants you to know what the right choice is each and every step that you take in life. For he wants you to be happy. He wants you to have a full life. And he wants you to be a blessing to others. And he does not want you to be destroyed. He does not want you to end up in the wrong destination. Now, you and I, we all have to make choices every day. Day in, day out, year in, year out. You have to choose. You have to choose, for example, the right kind of partner. Someone who's a true believer. You have to make a choice whether or not you're going to be kind to others or whether you're going to be mean and vindictive. You have to make a choice to forgive those who have hurt you and not to become bitter and angry all the time or whether or not you are going to treat them with respect and forgive them their sins. You have to make the choice to be obedient to your parents, to your teachers, to those in authority over you. In short, you have to make choices all the time because you want to bring glory to God's name. But the problem is that we constantly tend to make the wrong choices. The problem with me and with you is that we break God's commandments every day. And sometimes you make some very bad choices. Choices that have some very serious consequences. And when that happens, we feel awful. We feel dirty. We feel defeated. But then again, God's word comes to your rescue. Do you know what the Lord Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, verse 3? He said something absolutely marvelous. I want you to listen carefully. He said to his disciples, you are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. What he is saying is that God's word cleanses you. It makes you clean as white as snow. For through his word, through God's word, you have 
been forgiven your sins. Doesn't matter what you have done. If you go back to the word of God, God will cleanse you through his word. You do not have to feel dirty. You do not have to feel less worthy than others. No, God cleanses you through his word. But what exactly do we mean by the word? Well, ultimately, that refers to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In the well-known verse of John 1, we read that in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And John said that that word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then he introduces us as the Lord Jesus, as the word. You are made clean through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins. How can a youth keep his way pure? Through the word. Through your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For no doubt you young people in front of us here are going to make mistakes. Many mistakes. You're going to sin. You're going to fall into sin. There's no doubt about it. You will. Because you do that all the time. And you're going to do things that later on you're ashamed of. How could I have done this? And maybe that's already happened to you. Something that you're really ashamed of. For you are sinful people. It happens to all of us. And it continues to happen to all of us. To me too. But the Lord God does not want you to dwell on your sin. No, he wants you to repent time and again and to know that your sins are forgiven. And then he wants you to go right back on that good path. And in this way, God cleanses you every step of the way through life. And in this way, he directs you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed. God removes the shame and the guilt and the dirt. Just believe in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you do have to be truly sorry for your sins and to fight against your sins. And that's why the Lord God gives you the law. He gives you the law to drive you to Christ because you know that you break God's law all the time. But he also gives it to you so that you may know how to stay on the path of righteousness. God's word, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, is a breastplate of righteousness. Put it on. When you are a righteous man, you are declared innocent. Innocent of breaking God's law. And look at all the other things that it says there in Ephesians 6 about the word of God. What it is. How you must put it on. Put on his truth. Have your feet shod. With the gospel of peace. And all these things are possible. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God has greatly blessed all of us. But so often. And in so many ways. We take our blessings for granted. And that is because. Satan tries to have us forget about God. And. He wants to lure us away from him. He wants us to think about earthly pressures, earthly pleasures. And then there is our flesh. Our flesh entices us to be concerned about our own comfort and our own pleasures before anything else. That's our nature. 
My nature too. But the psalmist says, I seek you with all my heart. He uses a word here that refers to very careful seeking. The Lord requires us to walk on a narrow path. He does not want us to go on that major thoroughfare that is traveled by everybody else. For that thoroughfare leads to the wrong destination. No, we have to stay on the path that he chose for us to walk on as we make our way through life. But on that path lurk all kinds of dangers. And so you have to be watchful. You have to watch carefully where you're going. You have to have your wits about you. For it is easy to grow tired of being watchful. And then you have the danger, you run the danger of wandering off and getting into dangerous territory. And sometimes we don't like the path that we're going on. We would rather go along with the flow, with the people that walk on that major thoroughfare. We would rather do the things that the world does. And so your heart has to be in it. For you need a dedicated heart. You realize, of course, that when we speak about our heart, that we do not speak about that organ inside of us that pumps our blood through our veins. No, when the Hebrew person speaks about the heart, that he speaks about his total inner being. He speaks about what lives inside of him. And that includes his mind and his emotions and the will. Now, we all know that our hearts have been corrupted by sin. Jeremiah said so in chapter 17, verse 9. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond care. Who can understand it? And the Lord Jesus also knew about the depravity of the human heart, for he said in Mark 7, verse 20 and following, What comes out of man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander arrogance and folly brothers and sisters young people our hearts need to be changed instead of a heart of stone we need a heart of flesh and again that is what the lord god promised as well he promised that to his people of old for example ezekiel looking forward to the messiah wrote the following inspired words in chapter 36 from 25 and 26 i will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Again, this is God's promise. And that is what God promised to you, young people, and to all of us already at the time of our baptism. For we read in the form of baptism of infants that the Holy Spirit will impart to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing of our sins and the daily renewal of our lives. Our lives, that refers to our inner being, to our hearts. That's what God promised. And these young people in front of us here are about to make promises as well. They are going to promise to try to lead holy lives. They're going to promise to walk on the path that the Lord God has chosen for them. But please remember that it is not our promises to the Lord that will give us victory over sin, but the Lord's promises to us. The Lord God first comes to you. 
He is the one who seeks you out. And that's why it is so beautiful to be reformed, because that is what the reformed faith emphasizes. God comes to you first. Already at the time of your baptism, that's when he comes to you with his promises. As the Apostle John says in John 6, verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. All we can do is respond to him. Don't think that you first have to come with your good works, or with your faith, or anything else that you do. No, God first comes to you. He makes his promises to you. And then you show your thankfulness to him in the way that you live. Be thankful. Be thankful that the Lord God has brought you up in homes where his word is known and cherished. Be thankful that you have been brought up in a church that teaches you that of your own you have nothing to boast of. And that you receive your salvation through grace alone. And when you are thankful, then you also want to live a life of thankfulness. That means that you don't want to sin. That means that you want to follow God's instructions to the T. For that's what the Lord God requires from you. Not just today, but for the rest of your life. Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 21, Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Where is your treasure? Indeed, what is your treasure? It's God's word with his many beautiful, wonderful promises. And that word resides in your heart. It's been placed there by the Holy Spirit. That word has been planted in your heart since you were a little baby. And it is through that word that you can have a covenant relationship with the Lord your God. The text says that you must seek the Lord with all your heart. Not that the Lord God is hard to find, not at all. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10 verse 8, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Sometimes it seems that God is hard to find. But that is because of us, not because of God. God doesn't hide. He is there all the time. All we have to do is to open our eyes and our hearts. We have to seek him. And that means that we have to pray to him regularly and to read his word. The psalmist says in verse 8, right after our text, I have hidden your word, in verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word is a treasure to him. That's why he stores it in his heart. He wants his whole heart to be dedicated to the Lord and to his way of salvation. Brothers and sisters, young people, God's word is rich. It is full of promise, and it is the only guide for your life. God's word is precious. You cannot do without it. God's word will transform your life, and he will turn you from your sinful ways. As long as you also let him do that throughout your whole life. And then in the end, you can be sure you will come to the right destination. Amen.